Hello, I'm Louise from the Tree Council. This week is National Tree Week, the UK's largest annual tree celebration, where we encourage people across the country to get outside and plant trees to mark the start of the winter tree planting season. So with David's support, why not turn off this episode before it's even begun and free up a whole extra nine minutes of your day to get outside and enjoy some of our wonderful green spaces. All that said, if it's going to take you nine minutes to put on your wellies, why not keep listening to this in the background whilst you do just that? Wishing you all a happy National Tree Week. And over to David. Hello, David Oakes here and welcome to Trees A Crowd. Last week I started looking at the family of plants known as the Oleaceae, the home of incredible and unforgettable characters such as olives, lilacs, jasmines, last week's epic native ash tree and privet. Up who the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. What to say about privet? Well, it's tree number 52. Privet! Privet or wild privet. Ligustrum vulgare. Now, whenever I've become stuck and have floundered to find something exciting to say about our incredible native trees which obviously hardly ever happens, there is one source that almost always comes through. The leaves of the privet do cure the swellings. Therefore, they be excellent good to be put into lotions to wash the secret parts from the scoldings with women. Elizabethan botanical demigod John Gerard there, with perhaps the only anecdotally interesting thing I can gather up to say about this gloriously boring tree. But I suppose that's not entirely fair. So let's start with the botany. Privet has little creamy white flowers which possess two stamens and two stigmas. Wild privet flowers smell faintly sweet but are not to be confused with the non-native privet species that line most of our hedgerows these days. They smell of (laughs) The privet most often found in garden hedges today is likely to be the Japanese or Korean privet, which was introduced to Britain in 1842. Our native species is more rarely seen, but still occurs as a wild tree throughout the British Isles, with the exception of the Scottish Highlands. Wild privet can be found flanking the medieval boundary dikes of Romney Marsh, for example, but privet in gardens of either species is so often pruned for prettiness that you'll rarely see the tree's delicate pale flowers at all, or their rich purple berries, for that matter. My partner, upon proof listening to this episode, told me she didn't even realise privet had flowers or berries, and the fact that I'm mentioning this proves just how little I have to say this week. The little purple berries privet produces are toxic to us, but eaten happily by birds such as the robin or the thrush or the dunnock. These birds also benefit from the privet's dense foliage, which provides great nesting habitat. The very hungry caterpillars of the extremely large privet hawk moth feed heavily upon privet, hence their name. And perhaps unsurprisingly, they also like the leaves of other members of the Oleaceae too, such as lilac, jasmine and our ash. But with the numbers of ash dwindling, the moth is becoming particularly reliant upon the remainder of the family. The privet hawk moth is drawn to the heady aroma of these plants' strongly scented night flowers, where it eventually lays its eggs. But in the process, these invertebrates lure in other creatures, bats, 
which feed upon them. So if you like bats, and if you don't, you're not a friend of this podcast, get planting the stinkiest privet you can find, and inverted commas, prettiness be damned, be sure to let it flower. Speaking from first-hand experience, privet leaves also provide an especially good foodstuff for other invertebrates. My school's biology lab would sell you a petri dish full of stick insects for the bargain price of 20 pence. Once home, 20p well spent, I chose to keep my stick insects in my sister's old discarded fish tank in the garage and fed my sticky wonders upon trimmings of privet from our next-door neighbour's ornamental bush. Said next-door neighbour's ornamental bush is also where I released the stick insects when I eventually realised that if you're after a pet that returns your affection then sticks aren't it. They're as dull as privet, a match made in heaven. Now, during the Second World War, Lord Beaverbrook, Churchill's Minister of Aircraft Production, demanded that the British people hand over any scrap metal they could lay their hands on. The war effort demanded your home's iron gates and your beloved Georgian iron railings. They were to be melted down and turned into spitfires and into ammunition. This initiative proved massively successful, boosted public morale and surpassed its targets by quite some margin. By September 1944, over a million tonnes of ironwork had been collected. But, unbeknown to the general public, only about 26% of the collected metal was ever used for munitions or aircraft. Most was left to rust in council depots, railway sidings or even dumped in rivers. Apparently so much of this scrap iron was dumped in the Thames estuary that boats even required skilled pilots to guide them more carefully as compasses were being pulled off course by the abundance of the magnetic metal hidden beneath the currents. But what does this have to do with privet? Well, find yourself a house that stood during the war, one with a lovely bushy privet hedge out front, look for the base of the bush-slash-tree's trunk to the top of the boundary wall, and you'll fairly likely to find the filed-down stumps of removed railings. Privet, whether native or not, became an extremely popular hedging plant at this time to replace this lost ironwork, and is why our country's houses are so often flanked by privet. But that is not the only way that privet is hedging its beds. Get in. To look at a privet bush, you would think it was an evergreen tree. It seemingly remains green all the year round. But botanically speaking, it is not. It is semi-evergreen. So, most deciduous plants lose their leaves to conserve water or help survive the extremes of winter weather. Shedding foliage prevents leaf tissue being destroyed by the cold and also stops branches breaking under the additional weight of snowfall. Also, winter water is often in short supply as it's stuck in its solid icy form or in its fluffy white Christmas regalia. As such, reducing the amount of leaf cover also reduces the amount of water the tree needs to keep working efficiently. It's far more efficient for the tree to just wait for spring sunshine than to struggle on trying to survive, business as usual, pushing through the harsh winter months. On the other hand, evergreen plants, typically from tropical regions but also those from boreal arctic locations where summers are simply too short to spend time regrowing leaves, have evolved defence mechanisms to protect themselves against the harshness of winter. 
Armed against a pounding from icy winter storms and with food in short supply, greater exposure to hungry grazing herbivores, evergreens may be armed with a tough waxy cuticle, a bitter often toxic taste and or occasionally spikes too. But halfway between the evergreen and the deciduous we find our privet, lackadaisically keeping a foot in both botanical camps. Its leaves are toxic to us and to many other mammals, and come winter, when privet starts to lose its waxy little leaves from the previous season, it is already growing new foliage. Some leaves, but not all, are even retained in a fully functioning state throughout the winter months until the fresh leaves develop to replace them. As such, privet is covered in greenery all the year round, which is one major reason why people like to use it in hedgerows, and also makes me wonder why our nation isn't overrun with stick insects released by young schoolboys who just wanted to see what would happen. And that's the privet. If you can think of anything interesting to add, seriously, please write in and I'll tack it on the end. Thank you again for listening. I'll be back with you in a week's time with another wonderful native tree species, and I'll see you there. Bye-bye. Uploading the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the bridge.